Today on the Zabecast, is Twitter our new de facto government? Sounds crazy, but wait for the argument. John Ronas joins me. We talk about the Frankenstein lab experiment that is Bryson DeChambeau, plus the Major League Baseball labor meltdown. All that, plus a new car release that will be chef's kiss perfection if just one little thing happens. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Oh, here we go! Tuesday, June 16th, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Grover, this might be one of your last rides, buddy, because not only are we worried, we're not really worried anymore about near or far. It's, is it over with baseball in 2020? This is near. This is far. One of my favorite books of all time is, as a kid, not now, Little Kid was the monster at the end of the book by Grover. Afraid of the monster at the end of the book. Don't turn the page. You turn the page. Oh, my God. And then, of course, the monster was him. So the monster never showed up. I thought all along, "Eh, this baseball stuff. It's the monster at the end of the book. They'll figure it out. Boy, Monday was a big day of, oh, shit. They're they're not going to figure it out, actually. This is going to be bad. More on that with John Ronis in just a second. Is... Twitter, our new de facto government. Sounds crazy, right? But crazy is running rampant in the country right now in ways that it's hard to even catalog on a day-to-day basis. Mike Gundy is now in trouble because he dared to wear a t-shirt of a cable news outlet called OAN, One America Network, which is a conservative network that President Trump likes and often retweets. Their leading running back at Ohio, at Oklahoma State said, this is an outrage. I saw a picture of him on a fishing trip wearing that t-shirt. I will not do anything at Oklahoma State until this is addressed. Things have to change. A t-shirt? A fucking t-shirt? Oh, of a cable news network. What if somebody wore a t-shirt of MSNBC? Equally deranged, if not more so on the left. Oh, I know. I know the answer. The answer is no, it's not going to be a problem. Man, it is crazy out there. This is a tweet from one Balaji S. Srinivasan. Srinivasan. I don't know what he does. Full bio is linked here. I don't want to go to it. He's got 222,000 followers. He writes the following. Twitter is now the supreme force in Western civilization. It edits both Trump and and the New York Times. Neither the president of the U.S., United States of America, nor the publisher of that fine newspaper can write whatever they want if Twitter does not like it. New York Times publisher A.G. Sulzberger laments loss of talent due to forced firings due to controversies. Hey, don't fire them next time then. Stop lamenting, oh, what a loss of talent. Stand firm. The mob will come for everybody if you don't stand firm. Anyway, Balaji goes on to write, people say that the West today has no goals, no metrics, no sense of purpose by which to measure itself. Nonsense. The purpose of every politician, journalist, and intellectual is clearly to amass likes on Twitter. By extension, this is now the purpose of Western civilization. 
Twitter sets up a powerful incentive for American leaders and by extension for America itself. Popularity can be measured by likes. Truth cannot be. Status is a zero-sum game. Wealth creation is not. There are many good things about Twitter, but it wasn't built to be a government. Twitter is the Supreme Court of Public Opinion right now. It is thus the actual government of the United States of America. Politicians feel they can canvass their constituents by putting out a tweet and seeing what sticks. Once we realize that Twitter is our actual actual government now, whatever might be written on paper, we can start thinking about how we might improve on that. Can we build social networks with physical levels of civility and rule of law if this is a first-class goal from the beginning? I'm depressed because he's not, not wrong for the most part. But I'm, I'm tentatively, mildly, glimmer of hope optimistic that Twitter will have its day, that Twitter and the phenomenon we're going through has its curve, like anything, like a pandemic curve and a fear curve and a mask curve and a paranoia curve and a control curve, that eventually things will swing, that curves go up and down. Twitter, I mean, look, MySpace called. They're like, yep, trust me, someday something else is going to come by that's better, different, or worth doing instead of Twitter. It's just figuring out how to do that. Do I have any answers? No, none whatsoever. Short of maybe organizing some buddies to go surround the Twitter headquarters, wherever that is, and declare it an autonomous zone and bring all my weapons and all my rioting buddies and just break shit and tell the police, yeah, don't come in here. This is our zone now. It just happens to be where Twitter is. Oh, what's that? They wouldn't let they wouldn't let us do that, huh? Oh. Oh, especially not if you're at all conservative or right leaning. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. Do you know in Seattle, in their Chaz, the autonomous zone, their de facto warlord, uh, this guy Raz, walking around with full-on rifles. And I think I saw a submachine gun. I don't know. That would be certainly illegal as fuck. A lot of gun people are saying he gave a a rifle to another person, and that constitutes essentially a gun sale, which would be strictly prosecuted in Washington under Governor Jay Inslee. I don't know. And Trump tweeted about, if you don't clean this shit up, if you don't knock them out and take control of your city, I'll send the troops in to do it. I mean, that's all just empty bluster, because if he does it, the optics are terrible. Oh, my God. And it would be bloody. People would die. But it's madness, and the and the and the mayor of Seattle is like, no, oh, they're it's a fest. I think somebody called it a festival. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's democracy. They're working it out. We're gonna stand back and just, we're gonna, you know, graffiti is everywhere. Storefronts are smashed. Tons of property damage. I mean, it's nuts. We're living in a world that's crazy right now. I'll try to keep you as sane as possible as I can, but I'm I'm only one man. I can only give you so much hope. I have tiny slivers of hope amidst dark clouds of gloom. And holy shit, is this really happening in America? Answer is apparently for now, yes. So my only advice is it's a big country spread out. A lot of really nice places away from big cities. Away from Democrat-run stronghold cities and states. Wonderful places to live. Wonderful people. 
and opportunities to work and to make money. Maybe not as big as the fancy firms in New York or San Francisco or Chicago, but you can make a living. It's all about quality of life. It's all about what you value. And just take good notes right about now. All right, let's talk to my man, John Rose. When you hear this banger, golden earring, twilight zone, you know my man John Ronis is in the podcast house. Yes. Slamming. This song slams when your band plays it. Admit it. Yes, it does. Admit it. It sure does. By the way, just south of seven, Johnny's band, which he's the front man, has not played in how long now? We have not played since they shut down. I believe it was like March 13th. So we're back out on the 28th of June. Oh, really? Where's your gig? Yep. At Vanish Brewery in uh, Leesburg or Lovettsville, wherever it's wherever that is. Well, those are two different places. Very different oh, okay. places. I think it's Luckett's, actually. Luckett's That's Vanish a That's a Brewery. third different place. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it's Luckett's, Virginia. Vanish just, Brewery. Just faintly listen for the sound of Golden Earring in the background we play all their hits when the bullet hits the bone all right john rodas is with us we're going to talk some baseball we're going to talk some bryson dechambeau and whatever else you want to talk about uh tonight here on the zabe cast john was not with us at the cannon club sunday for capital golf gang it's okay we had a full house had a good time down there he'll be back on the schedule next week um, did you watch any of the golf from the weekend? I did. I actually did. Yeah, I wanted to uh, get a good glimpse. Do your of what homework. It like. Yeah, and I wanted. You don't to normally watch golf on TV as a golf instructor. You're too busy watching bad golf. I mean, developing golf swings. Developing. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm going to use that tomorrow. You have uh, tell tell one of your students you you have an emerging golf yeah, swing. It's not a bad swing. No, it's, it's just emerging. Developing. It's emerging yeah. like a turd, but it's still yeah. emerging. <laughs> don't say that. It's t- I'm going to say it's turtling. No, no, no. Yeah. Don't say that either. <laughs> All right. So what did you watch of the golf? I watched a little bit on – actually, a little bit on Thursday uh, just to get an idea of what it looked like and what the telecast was going to be like and what it was like without fans. And then I watched um, a little bit on Saturday and then probably a good hour, hour and a half on Sunday. All right. What was one thing you took away from the broadcast? I'll tell you one one thing I took away while you think about that surprise question. I found the pacing of the shots shown to be be dramatically more up-tempo. And I think the reason explained to me by my buddy Gitter was that with no tower announcers, hole by hole, the usual shot of stalking, meaning here's Ricky Fowler. He's yeah. on number 12. He's got 20 feet. He's really been striking the ball beautifully today. And he's going to try to get it in the hole here. He's got about a foot break, it looks like. And they let their invested, you know, their investments are their personalities. Valgo, yeah, et cetera. And so they let them blah, blah, blah on top of non-action to get them airtime. Without the tower announcers, Johnny, because Faldo's in Orlando, and the only guy 
on site is uh, Nance and Dottie Pepper. Guess what? They went boom, 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 shot, shot, shot. It was yeah, awesome. I, I want it, it, more of that. It was good. And I think that, um, you know, my, my Penny Lane here is barking at deer in my backyard. Um, I, I like it. And, and I think it's also that was such a great field that yeah. I think they wanted to show. I think they had a, a good kind of restart where they could show, obviously, the, the, the players that we're all used to seeing. But I think I think they wanted to make an effort to show some of the players that, um, you know, we don't normally see every no. single tournament. No, Television no? doesn't care no. about that. Well, a I nice theory. To. Well, of course, a lot of people say that, but television plays the hits. And once yeah. the big cat gets back out there, Mr. Redshirt himself, trust me, if he's in contention, they'll put him on TV. They'll go back to the stalking shots and they'll talk over it because every second Tiger's on TV, it's like a jackpot for ratings. You yeah. can't and, and, put him you on know, TV. Frankly, I, I want to see every one of his shots too, so I can't really complain about that. Well, it's not just I seeing every one of his shots. I want Jordan Spieth shots that can go just flat off the planet. Okay, and that was one of the things about what I noticed is that how many times did you see guys just hitting it into places that would normally have been crowds or stands, and all of a sudden they're playing from these weird I, angles. I did not see a whole lot of that, but I'll take your word for it. Speaking yeah. of Spieth, who was in contention, and there was a lot of talk about, man, he needs to hit a hard reboot because he's fallen off the map as of late. You said your student had a very rare chance to go down to Texas, play with some pros, got to play with Spieth, yeah. and said that there were some moments in which Jordan Spieth, winner of three majors already at age 26 or whatever, struggled. Mightily. Mightily, like golf three is fairways a... hit. <laughs> golf is a struggle. There's no question about what he said when he came back. I would have bet everything that Spieth had no chance in that golf tournament. And yeah, and you know, it's just it's one of those things. He's a grinder. There's no question about it. So you know, but it showed the over four days how that still is not a game that can stay there to compete to win. I don't think. There's just too many shots that are just – they're not right. You know, coming down the stretch here, you hit a ball out of bounds. You know, you just can't do that. Yeah. Made a, an unbelievable bogey on that hole. After Mirakawa set about a 100-footer in there, he put about a 50-footer on top of him. Yeah, I'll tell you this. Unfortunately, it was different score. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's good to see Spieth back in the mix. He is a star on tour. Yeah. My new star, unfortunately, choked Colin Morikawa, who holds the longest streak of consecutive cuts made at 38. Yeah. 38 cuts made. It's incredible. Right out of college. Right out of Cal. Yeah. Has he has he not missed a cut since he got on tour? Uh, um, I don't it's think he's be been close. A, I, I don't think he has missed a cut. Like, yeah. literally, he's got the longest cut streak since Tiger, which is yeah, unbelievable. He is. And stud, stud. He, he is such a stud, and he's a little bit under the radar, but not for long. And it just—I I felt so bad that he missed those two putts. Also, he has—I think he has that personality. He's got the smile. Yeah, he's got a little bit of nice guy personality. Hopefully, he'll get rid of that. He's a—he's sort of like a, a Japanese Anthony Kim because I think he is of part Japanese descent. So, yeah. so he's just got it, and he's a good player. Good players he's are always fun to watch. Player. Yes, great player. 
But let's talk about the show. Let's, Who <laughs> let's, was the show? let's talk about the shit show that is yeah. Bryson DeShit Show. Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> who has added 20 pounds of something, mostly muscle, but a little bit of burrito during the coronavirus shutdown, as as well as 20 other pounds of muscle in the offseason. He's gone from a size medium to a XL, and he is murdering the golf ball, Johnny. Yeah, and that was his mathematical equation that he came up with, what, about a year ago now, maybe a year and a half ago? And he said that if he gets that mass behind it with the muscle to increase the speed, he mathematically sees that the clubs that he's hitting in are well worth it, even though there might be a sideways shot here and there because he's hitting it much farther. But holy and smokes. I mean, he is he's he's a mess. I mean, he is he's really a mess? He's huge. He's not a mess, but he's he's he's, he's a show. He's a show he's a right show. now. Like, did you see his post-game interview? I'm trying to find the soundbite of it. It was amazingly oh. cocky. Amazingly cocky. He's like, I got hosed on 17, but, you know, I, I, I missed a million putts. I should have won this thing going away, but oh Running well. Running away with it. Yeah, once I once I get that down, I think I'm going to w- be winning a lot more now. Yeah, shot 66, I believe, the final round. He hit... Uh, he nuked the ball over the green on 17. He said he was in the first cut of rough, and he just didn't think that it would take off like that. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm saying to myself, Bryson, that's like rule number one. It's on a perfect tee in the first cut. you got to play down a club, club and a half. Well, he was like, I didn't expect it to do that. Hole. He's like, well, I didn't expect have. it to be a flyer. And I'm like, yeah, that's the game that's of golf, some finesse. I remember Tiger early on in his career had a lot of trouble with iron distance. Because yeah. he swang, swang, swung so hard at it. Yep, and he he also had a ton of lag at the time, and he would just deal off the club occasionally more than others, and boom, there it is over the green. The, and he had huge he was hitting wedges and everything because they hadn't even tiger proofed Augusta yet. Ball speed of one ninety two, approaching two hundred miles an hour, which is silliness. Yeah. Uh, a spin rate under three thousand, which is amazing. A driver yep. loft of five and a half degrees, which is yes. a joke. Any good single-digit handicap would pick that up and hit dribblers with it at five. Did and they half give degrees. a launch angle on that? Do you know uh, if they gave a launch angle? I don't angle know on that? if they saw that, yeah. but on it on top of that, his swing is faster than oh, yeah. ever. It looks like a long drive meathead swing, and he is spinning his left front foot out through impact. Well, you have to, or you'll blow out your knee entirely. <laughs> I guess so. It's literally like going 200 miles an hour in a Pinto on, you know, bald tires. Eventually, it's over. Well, I think he wears pretty modest nub shoes because you don't want spikes or even good plastic talons in that front shoe. Because, no. like you said, you'll blow your knee out swinging yeah, that hard. Complete- 190 miles. You see the long drive guys. They're like, they spin out. They hang back. They... You know, that's that's what they do. And he's getting cl- he's getting really close to not long drive guy ball speeds, but he's getting 200 miles an hour is outrageous. He he, he shit on almost every hole out there, including right. all the par fours, dog legs around the corners, bunkers that weren't meant to be carried. Boom, boom, boom. No fear whatsoever. Now, granted, there's going to be courses that you can't quite do that in different conditions and colder and everything else. But this was a perfect setup on that. 
And of all the people that are talking about rolling the tour ball back, this is going to accelerate it, this shit show he put on. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's just him who's getting, you know, I mean, 192 miles an hour. It's Guys are up there in the mid-180s, which is incredible. But uh, 192, if you, if you take a look at the, the average of two to three yards per mile an hour, and you're going from 182 to 192, come on now, 20 to 30 yards. And if you can keep the spin rate down, it's it's quite incredible. So, yes, but, you know, we took this approach about – 10, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I've hit it as far as you can. And, Bomb and we gouge. thought, okay, yeah, we thought rough would be a deterrent, but at those speeds and that strength, it really isn't. So the only thing that's going to be the deterrent is green conditions, which means firm greens, doesn't necessarily have to be fast, but firm. And that's the only thing that's going to protect these golf courses. He had, and so you're susceptible to weather. He had all of four holes on Sunday where he hit longer than 100 yards in for his second shot. Yeah. Ten, yeah. ten holes plus the four par threes. Uh, well, and would the, they play it at 70, probably 74? Whatever, whatever 74. the case is, he had 10 yeah. par fours or par fives where he had a wedge in. Yeah. Not even a full I mean, wedge. Under 100 yards. It's just shoot, ridiculous. I'll play a scramble with him. So, okay, but so is this the wave of the future? Are others going to try to copy this? Or is yeah. this a one-off type of deal? And secondly, will it end up blowing up? Because once you start getting crooked at those speeds, you start your nerves start to go. Because you're like, oh boy, this one could be off the map. And it, and it becomes, you could build up scar tissue, you know, especially under the yeah. gun. Well, there's no question about that. No, You know, one degree at 340 yards is a lot different than one degree at a buck 80. Welcome to my world. And if you want to kind of determine what he's thinking he's probably doing the math of one ball that's out of play is worth it when you're hitting 12 wedges into greens so that's what he's mathematically done now my opinion is the body can't handle it for a a long duration career-wise i really don't think the body can handle it or the body at the speeds that's required at the speeds he's swinging his arms and shoulders through the shot the hip rotation required is not going to match up for a long enough period of time. And yes, he will hit some balls that are viciously offline. He says, though, that he's been doing this special sort of regenerative therapy and therapeutics for areas of the body that are of concern. He had a back problem, I guess, recently, and he's been getting through that. If If you know him at all, you know that he might just be digging in on all the medical stuff as well and the physical stuff. The big question is, is he juicing? And has the tour just not caught him? Yeah, that's that's. We'll have to check his hat size, I guess, and, and the size <laughs> of something else. If you, if you know what I'm talking about. But I think that if he is, you know, it's probably something that some crazy doctor invented that he thinks he can get away with. But you know what? He's a little bit. He's a little bit puffy. Um, well, roiding. I think. Ah, uh, remember Rafi? Remember Rafi Palmero? Didn't look yeah. like a roid user. Don't yeah, go I, by I body guess. shape on this. It'll be interesting. I'm not accusing him of doing it, but I'm just living in the real world where, you know, guys, performance-enhancing drugs work for a reason, or they're used for a reason. They work. Sure. End of sure. story. Not for the yes. back knee, not for the liver damage, not for the small PP. They use them, athletes do, because they work. Otherwise, they wouldn't use them. Right. And, it, and right. it applies to all sports. Recovery, strength, et cetera. It all benefits. Yeah, there's going to be questions about it. And is this a wave of the future? 
I would bet that kids are, are going to look at nutritionally getting bigger um, rather than leaner and more flexible for a little period of time. Okay. So it, it might be a little bit of a wave till someone again blows out their knee like a <laughs> like a you know German Saturday Night Live lifter. You know, back to his uh, back to his post round interview. Um, I sense, I sense, as the father of a special needs child, I sense a little dash of say Aspergers in him. That he is this guy who doesn't necessarily have a lot of friends. He kind of blurts out what he thinks. And he's a genius, which many kids on the spectrum that have just a light touch of Asperger's are. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked. But that's yeah, not a medical diagnosis. And, I'm not a and, psychologist. And I, I'm just a guy just, looking at him. He's a different dude. And he's, he's yes. And I would say from getting any kind of challenges out of the way, I would say he's incredibly driven he's incredibly narcissistic and incredibly confident so i would look at it in that term as well will not i will i will i not positive will i ever like him as a no 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 you what will if not. He, what if he what if he speeds up no you will not like him i did not like brooks kepka at first and now i'm a big stan and and you and you still like bruce I, as my boy McGowan calls him, Bruce Kepka. I I not only like Brooks Kepka, I love him. He's such oh, a he's such that. a meathead. It's just glorious. I used to love Jordan Spieth, and I'm done. He's I, I'm he's, I'm off that wagon. He's too serious. He's too yeah. nerdy. Too whiny. Too whiny. Right? Whiny, yeah. nerdy, whiny. serious. Lighten up, just Francis. For God's sake. Yeah. I've been on the Mickelson bandwagon and off the Mickelson bandwagon more than a strap hanger on a trolley car in San Francisco. Yeah. I'll hate him. I'll love him. I'll hate him. I'll love him. I think I'm back on love because of what he's doing on social media. I am too. I am too. So. In that regard, is is someone like uh, is Kepka going to be a Mickelson someday? No. Is DeChambeau going to be a Mickelson? Well, there's no chance of that. And so, therefore, I don't think I'm going to come around to either okay. of those guys. All right. Ever. Well, I love it that golf is back and that there's uh, interesting oh, stuff so to good. watch. Can't wait for the fans to come back at Jack's place next month. And away yeah. we go. It was announced on Monday as well that the uh, PGA was given the green light from the Nazis that run San Francisco and apparently don't want another case of COVID for the rest of time and memorial because they've got no cases, but they're like, nope, can't do this. They're not going to allow fans at the uh, PGA Championship, even though it's in yeah. August, but at least they're going to have it. I think the PGA of America is going to call that a win and walk quietly. And they got the 3M in Minnesota approved, and Minnesota's been slow to approve shit. So the tour schedule is now filled for the rest of the year, week to week to week to week to week. Which is great, and the big the big elephant in the room is still the Ryder Cup. It is, but it's got to happen. Yeah. It it's has gotta to happen. happen. It's got to happen. You're All absolutely right. right. What's not happening is baseball. Yeah, come have on you, now with that. Have you uh, have you heard the latest just today on Monday? Uh, I have not heard Monday. Oh, I heard this weekend. Okay. Okay. So what came out today? <laughs> Buckle up. So today the. Basically, over the weekend, the Players Association said, fine, it's time to get back to work. Tell us yeah. when and where. A right. very harumphy, oh, so you're going to force us. Yeah. As soon as baseball then said, well, the schedule we were thinking about, the Players Association said, duh, 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 duh. read the fine print of our contract, our deal we signed when the coronavirus hit. You have to negotiate with us in good faith on setting the schedule. 
and you have to do this and this and this. And if you don't do any of it, which I don't think you're going to, we're going to file a grievance. And then you're going to have to file a grievance. And apparently the players let the owners know, you know, if this grievance goes on for several years, which it likely will, you could be on the hook for up to a billion dollars in lost wages if you lose. So, So that was the shot that caused the commissioner to say, okay, guess what? I'm not so confident we're going to have a season now. And the Players Association fired back again saying, we are utterly disappointed in this. And players on Twitter, Johnny, are firing at Manfred and firing at MLB. It is a shit show. Well, let's face it. Manfred's a joke. I mean, the whole way he handled the Astros situation was so cowardly and such a joke. It's it's amazing. There's so many other teams out there or at least a few other teams out there that had reckless cheating that he didn't even bother to look into, which we're going to find out about because we find out about everything. The guy's completely clueless. He's in a, in a position that he shouldn't be in. And frankly, what he should do is he should come back and he should be extremely close to what the players recommended, which I believe is in the 89 game kind of category, uh, full uh, prorated salary. And otherwise he's going to lose the sport. And he's going to go down as the person who lost the sport. Some say and, some say the sport needed this reckoning, that this shakeout was a long time coming, that the players were more and more dissatisfied, that the Germanists, the Germanists, is that even a word? The Terminus, the Germination, yeah. whatever. The, yeah, the, whatever. The, the, where, where this all started bubbling up, Johnny, was the winter of crickets when Manny Machado and Bryce Harper yeah. hit the open market at 25 years old with monster numbers and the collective baseball world said, Oh, that's interesting. Well, we already, we already have a a third baseman. We already have a center fielder. So a right fielder. So we're good. We're fine. Yeah. The collusion, the, the inside collusion, there's no question about it. And you know, it's something, let's face it. It took what we're seeing now on TV again. My kids never saw, but it took that summer of home run to bring the game back to where, it, it, it is today uh, after the, the strike. So, you know, we're dealing with, with – they're just so – they're so stupid. I mean, what they have to understand is that talent is the talent. And you have to bend over backwards, I hate to say it, to the talent. And that's the players. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, everyone's millionaires and billionaires and all this other stuff. But when it comes down to it, there is no baseball – without the talent. Right. The owners can't play the game ever, ever, ever. That's what I say about golf pros. And the, and the other thing was the only uh, the only baseball team that they've had a peek at the books of, the real financial books, is the Braves because they're owned by this Liberty Media, which is a public ho- publicly hold, held company. Yeah. And they showed like a $54 million – or no, a $94 million operating profit. Yeah. Prior yeah. to depreciation and something else. And then the next year that they got a look at it, it was down to 34. But because of some you know, creative accounting, they showed a $20 million loss or something like that. And, sure. the, and the players are like, this is bullshit. All you guys are making huge money year over year. 
you've figured out how to hack the system where there is no middle class anymore for baseball. There's a handful of dudes making a ton right. of money, and there's right. 60% of the league making less than a million. And That's when star players get bid on, there's no, there's no froth. There's no bidding. There's no action because actively on any given year, 10 teams are tanking, purposely yes. tanking for draft picks and cheap new players they won't have to pay for at least five years. Yeah, and they're just they're rolling in their in their appreciation of the team because these teams, that's it. the other thing people don't talk about. The appreciation of these teams is right. outrageous. Right. And then their their TV money. And so there you go. You don't have to put a, a quality product out there. And I mean, the Marlins are a joke. I know, but they're still valued very high because they've got a new Correct. stadium. But here's yeah, the thing. No one is in it. Here's the thing. Here's another part of the problem. So how can all these teams tank shamelessly and still do okay at least? It's because baseball is such a generational sport. It is such a traditional sport that there's going to be X number of Royals fans that go to games even yeah. though they know their team is back to tanking or Pirates yeah. fans or anybody other than the new markets like Tampa and Miami – any traditional market that has ever had any generational success, there's a certain number of fans who are going to go anyway despite the team sucking, sucking as bad as you can imagine. And so it's actually, in a way, the fans' fault for not punishing the tanking owners so hard that they would never think of not at least bidding on a Manny Machado or a Bryce Harper when they come available because that's the only way to get better. Yeah, and you know what? It's also I look. I grew up in Boston when the Red Sox weren't good, and I would clamor to go to a Red Sox game. And at times they absolutely stunk. It's also a rite of passage during those lean times when you bring your kids to the games to say we were here when they lost a hundred games. But it's also the atmosphere of a baseball game is unlike I think any other sport. Certainly, an outside sport. A football game is is an is an organized is organized chaos. You really can't take a young kid to the team because, for some reason, people just check their brains at the door and they're screaming obscenities and everything else. A baseball game is a little piece of heaven for those three hours, and it's something that I I real I love baseball. You know that I want yeah. everyone to to experience it. So I, they better come back. Oh, they're not coming back. Season's oh, over. Oh, you're killing me. No. You're killing me. There's, look, there's nothing to come back to. There's no reason no. to come back. This shit's know, over. It's done. This fight is on. Year. Yes, it has been a bad Jeez. year. But yeah. All right. Johnny Ronis, Ronis Academy, River Creek, Leesburg. Go get some lessons. Get better at golf. And uh, it's good to talk to you, bud, as always. Great talking to you, Zed. Bye now. Bye-bye. I got to say, it was remarkable that Johnny Ronas didn't cape up for his owner buddies, the Lerner family. And look, he's close with the Lerners, and they treat him like a son almost. So I don't blame him for defending the Lerners in general. But in terms of this, I thought he was pretty fair. He, I thought for sure he was going to cape up on the owner side of this. But uh, no, he was he was pretty fair. So, all right, baseball. Let's end on this. Ford Motor Company is bringing back the Bronco and they're doing it on OJ Simpson's 73rd birthday. <laughs> yes. 
July 9th, look for it. A Ford rep said the launch date was, quote, purely coincidental, but the company has no plans to change it. Right. 95 million people watched live on June 12 as 1994 as cops trailed Simpson's white 1993 Bronco down I-405 in Los Angeles. Despite a brief uptick in sales after Simpson's failed escape, Ford discontinued the original Bronco in 1996 after a 30-year run. I have no idea what was so special about the Bronco. It seemed like a short, high SUV. And I don't know what the reimagined Bronco is going to look like, but I'd imagine they'd want to make it a bit longer, a bit roomier, maybe, don't you think? Anyway, yeah, just a coincidence. You going to change the date? No, no, we're, we're good with it. Now, if things, the only way to make this more perfect, and this has to happen, this would make it five-star chef's kiss perfection, Mwah. is if OJ himself cuts a video talking about how they're coming out with a new Bronco and then him riffing on that slow speed chase on that infamous day, that June 12th day in 1994. If that happens, it's got to. OJ, juice. Hello, Twitter world. Yours truly. You know, they're coming out with a new Bronco. All right, that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Tell a couple friends who like good podcasts and interesting things to listen to. Your support of me in this podcast is overwhelming, and I appreciate it so much. Don't forget, change to Red Circle if you subscribe to Fridays. If you don't subscribe yet, you can get Fridays included with the first four days of the week. Get 12 months for the price of 11. Build all at once or month to month. You can still go that way if you want. And best of all, you get your Zabe delivered on Red Circle to any platform just about that you want. Tell a couple friends, rate and review as always, and have a great Tuesday, whether baseball fucks himself in the ass or not. And we will see you next time. With equipment breakdown coverage from American Family Insurance, you can protect all the things that keep your dream home running from sudden mechanical or electrical issues. Because this sound shouldn't mean. Contact your local agent or visit AmFam.com to learn more. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Refer to policy for equipment breakdown covered losses, deductible limitations, and exclusions. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Products not available in every state.